The WBFO Brief Podcast is made possible by Simon Business School, presenting the Simon Games, an online business simulation competition for MBA scholarships where participants act as the CEOs of their own businesses. Learn more at simon.rochester.edu slash simongames. It's Friday, February 24th. Today's WBFO Brief was recorded around 8.30 in the morning. This is WBFO News. Here's Jay Moran. NYSEG reports over 5,200 customers remain without power this morning. It's part of the aftermath of the late Wednesday night weather system that crusted much of the region with ice. It's made for difficult driving conditions, but it added greater complications for those who rely on other forms of transportation. Kevin Hefferton of Go Bike Buffalo says the city needs to address that reality. And that's really not an insignificant number. When we're talking citywide, it's one in four households without a car. When we're talking about the east side, it's one in three households without a car. And that's a massive piece of our population that the city sort of ignores every time it snows. Hefferton says Buffalo could follow the lead of snowy cities like Rochester and Syracuse, who have adopted municipal snow clearing programs linked to transit services. Buffalo Common Council members want a closer look at the management issues of a government-owned theater building, Shays Buffalo. Allegations of a toxic work environment and harsh treatment of employees have been flooding local media, so council members are calling for a Shays representative to appear in front of the Community Development Committee. And Statistics Canada says the proportion of black-owned businesses has been increasing, but it reports that the data from several sources up to 2018 finds those businesses tend to be smaller and perform less well financially than businesses owned by white people. StatCan says black-owned businesses are also more likely to be unincorporated. Plans appear to be moving forward on construction of a new stadium for the Buffalo Bills, despite concerns from local union leaders. The Buffalo News reports a second group of bids to begin building the stadium have been released as planners target a completion of the $1.4 billion facility for the start of the 2026 NFL season. However, elements of the process have been stalled after the leader of the Buffalo Building Trades Council stated he would no longer support the project unless changes are made. The Erie County Stadium Corporation postponed a Tuesday meeting in response and has yet to reschedule. Additionally, documents related to the complex stadium deal have yet to be made public. Another local priest is now on administrative leave following a complaint of child sexual abuse. The Diocese of Buffalo says the retired priest, Reverend Joseph Vatter, has recently been occasionally celebrating masses at various diocesan churches, but has been placed on leave by Bishop Michael Fisher pending an ongoing investigation. And a federal block grant from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development for $2.9 million has been awarded to the Seneca Nation of Indians. Southern Tier Congressman Nick Langworthy announced the Indian Housing Block Grant to help improve affordable housing on reservation land. The U.S. Office of Public and Indian Housing allocates funding to eligible tribes on Indian reservations and in Indian communities under the Indian Housing Block Grant Formula Program. Well, Western New York's ice storm not only left streets slippery, but also sidewalks as well. And that complicated life for many, as we hear now from WBFO's Thomas O'Neill White. Icy conditions are proving to be difficult for motorists and maybe more so for non-motorists. Navigating unshoveled sidewalks and bus stops is a recurring issue for City of Buffalo residents. Why then are municipal snow removal services limited to the plowing and salting of streets? 
Go Bike Buffalo Communications Director Kevin Heffernan says there is a push to expand services. There's a growing movement, multiple coalitions, and a whole lot of people and thousands of signatures saying we'd really like to at least get a pilot going for sidewalk snow removal. He says North District Councilman Joseph Golombek has previously backed a pilot program, but the city has not indicated they are willing to expand those services. For now, shovel your sidewalks. Thomas O'Neill White, WBFO News. Toronto has come a step closer to a high-speed rail service linking the city to Montreal. As correspondent Dan Karpachuk reports, the latest effort comes from two city councillors in Montreal. A high-speed rail service along the Toronto-Montreal-Quebec City corridor has been raised several times, with the possibility fading because of the high costs. A high-speed rail service would cut travel time between Toronto and Montreal, make the service more attractive for tourists, and provide a boost to the economy, and it would cut down on the amount of vehicular traffic along the corridor. Montreal City Councillor Craig Sauvé says Canada is the only G7 country without a high-speed rail line. We have to get high-speed rail, and that would mean that, you know, a trip between Montreal and Toronto could be two and a half hours instead of the four and a half, five hours it takes now. So it could be a major gain in terms of, uh, you know, travel time between major destinations in the Quebec-Toronto corridor. The Canadian government supports a high-frequency rail line as the best option for that corridor that would allow train travel at speeds of up to 120 miles an hour. Federal Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra recently travelled to Montreal to announce a high-frequency rail project, but he was also looking for help from the private sector. And our government is challenging the private sector to come up with ideas to further enhance the service that is proposed, including increasing speed. Others have called for the project to go further, to a high-speed rail line, which would be faster than high-frequency. But Algabra says high-frequency remains the best option. But at the same time, he says he's open to other possibilities. Ontario last proposed a high-speed rail link between Toronto and Windsor. At the time, that would have cost about $19 billion. For WBFO News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk in Toronto. The Canadian government has reached health care funding deals now with Ontario and all four Atlantic provinces. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made that announcement yesterday in Halifax as part of a 10-year, $46 billion agreement between Ottawa and the provincial premiers announced more than two weeks ago. The Canadian government promised to negotiate bilateral agreements with each province and territory. Well, in sports, uh, the Buffalo Sabres came away with a wild 6-5 victory in overtime at Tampa last night. The Lightning erased a two-goal third-period lead and were on the power play in overtime when defenseman Ilya Labushkin scored his first goal as a member of the Buffalo Sabres. Tage Thompson had the hat trick and now has a career-high 39 goals this season. Jack Quinn and Zemgus Giergensen also scored for the Sabres. They visit the Florida Panthers tonight and then are home on Sunday against the Washington Capitals. For Theater Talk on WBFO, I'm Anthony Chase. And I'm Peter Hall. And was Into the Woods everything you hoped it would be? And more. (laughs) And more. The actual Broadway cast came to Buffalo. At Shays. And man, on that stage, there's a difference. Broadway actors are different. Just the incandescent confidence of these performers doing what they obviously were born to do and telling these stories that weave together as Into the Woods. It was a thrilling night. There were only two nights of Into the Woods. And it was Stephanie J. Block, and it was Gavin Creel, and it was Montego Glover. And And our theater talk guest from last week, Nancy Opel. 
underused. <laughs> Just sort of, here I am, Nancy Opal, Cinderella's wicked stepmother. She was wonderful. They were all wonderful. Every And their Red Riding Hood, was she not sublime? Oh, what great casting. Her name is Julia Lester, <laughs> and this was her Broadway debut. Just everything perfect, big, but not elaborate, with the orchestra on stage. Sounded incredible. They, of course, just have won a Grammy, that cast, which came to Buffalo. But then you go to, uh, I go to Matinee, the theater district bar where all the show folk go and noticeably absent. We always see the stagehands, members of IATSE Local 10 and not to be seen because they had to do the hustle. They had to put, they had to put into the woods up, then take it down, rapid turnaround for the national tour of Hades Town to open Tuesday night. Now that is up at Shays. And that's a lot of work for local stagehands. I think most people don't realize half of what goes on backstage and before the show. Wow. That's a lot of loading in, a lot of boxes. <laughs> and then out, yeah. And, and then for the backstage people, every wig and every costume, a lot of local people are hired to handle those things. And it has long been thus. There have been stagehands going back generations, back to the old days of the star and the tech, the theaters that used to be on the downtown landscape long gone. I can remember a drugstore at that intersection of Chippewa and Delaware when I first came to Buffalo, where Spot Coffee is now. Yes, right. And they had the complete line of theatrical grease paint. Going back to the, you know, going back to vaudeville, uh, harking back to a distant age. But the stagehand union continues a long history, and they're coming up on a they're coming up on a huge anniversary. So we'll talk more about about them coming on. Up. Actually, at Into the Woods, one of the stagehands did get applause at the very very end. The curtain got hung up on a piece of scenery. <laughs> And it came down, and then the curtain went back up. And everyone thought, oh, somehow the show must be continuing. Maybe we're going to get an encore. <laughs> and everyone applauded. <laughs> that audience was applauding everything. They were just so hot for the show, and, and performers <laughs> did not let them down. So who have I seen tramping through a matinee? The cast of The Tempest, that's Irish Classical Theatre Company, going up with the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra. And wasn't a Midsummer Night's Dream fabulous last time around with Irish Classical? Oh, Talk about exceeding expectations. That was far more than I imagined or hoped for. I think sometimes it's very good. You go in with a snarky attitude and they amaze you. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> that was one of those that was one of those occasions. The thin place opening at Road Less Traveled. Well, running and Lucas Nath play about the boundary between this life and the life hereafter. Everyone's still here, you know. And that's at Road Less Traveled. But another ghost play I saw, you can't see this and it's in development, but Drew Fornarola is working on a piece about Dr. Fauci and his tempestuous relationship with the gay activist, AIDS activist, Larry Kramer. And First Look Buffalo is helping develop new plays and they gave it a reading. That's very fun to do if you've never done that. It's typically free. You go, you see the reading of a play. There's a discussion afterwards where they ask the audience some pointed questions about what they've seen. Mostly, though, the playwrights just listen to the audience reaction. Readings are fun. I know Second Generation does them all the time. And what most people might not know is that the actors really get into the role. They don't just sit there and read the words. Well, they're all hoping to go to Broadway with it, you know, original <laughs> cast. And in the category yes. of new work, Mercy's Seat, 
American uh, Repertory yes. Theater of Western New York. Local writers all. It was quite fun. For, I believe now, the third year in a row, American Repertory Theater has asked local playwrights to write short plays that can be all grouped together under the inspiration of a particular singer. This year, that singer was Nick Cave, and so his music inspired a number of plays, all held together by the idea of a revival under a tent. I thought it was the most cohesive project of that sort to date. Well, other things going out. The play that goes wrong, a farcical comedy at the Cavanoke Theater. Clue coming up. There's a whole lot going on for Theater Talk on WBFO. I'm Peter Hall. And I'm Anthony Chase. Be sure to like or subscribe so you can help others find this podcast. And if you love it, by all means, leave a review too. The WBFO Brief Podcast and the award-winning journalism of WBFO's news team is made possible by members. Thanks for listening.